3, Psalm 133. As you're turning there, this is a psalm of ascent, uh, meaning that this was a song that was going to be sang by people as they were getting ready to worship God at the temple in Israel. As they were walking up the temple mount, heading to the temple, they would. this would be one of the songs that they would sing as they were preparing to enter into the temple of the Lord to, to worship Him and to glorify Him there at the temple. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and read that this morning, Psalm 133, the song of ascent, a song sang as people were approaching the temple of God to worship. And before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to give us some help. Lord, as we look at Your Word, We do ask that you give us understanding of it, Father, that you would help us to know what you have for us today, that we can see the just the the goodness of unity and peace in a church and in in and amongst your people, God, and how that reflects your goodness to the world around us and your love. And Father, we, we ask that you would use this passage to grow our faith, that you would use this passage your word to conform us more into the image of your son that we can honor and glorify you as individuals and as a group of believers that gather together father we thank you for all of this in christ's name amen the word of god says a song of ascents of david behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collars of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. That first passage, that first very phrase there, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Uh, You all know exactly how nice it is when there's peace. Where there's unity, when there's a lack of conflict. Uh, and I don't know if you've uh, noticed this, but whenever there is conflict, it gets a little stressful, gets a little uh, tumultuous, just things aren't as smooth as you would like, whether it's at your job or at work or at your, your job working, it's the same thing, but your family and at church, whatever it is, whenever there's not peace, when there's not unity, uh, that really can be very stressful. It can lead you to some sort of anxiety, all sorts of things. And the thing that I've noticed uh, about myself in the past is that I, in the past, would, would just get all bent out of shape over little things. Have you ever done that where you just get all upset, all bent out of shape over little things? I, I remember one time I was upset because I did not want to eat Chinese food. And I was bent all out of shape. I was upset because I did not want Chinese food. You know what I wanted? I wanted Chick-fil-A, not Chinese food. And so I was all bent out of shape. I was all upset and all these things. And uh, over the course of time, I finally realized, you know, where you eat is not that big a deal. Now, thankfully, that was like, you know, several, several years ago. I was much younger. I was a high school kid who thought I knew everything, and I knew that Chinese food was not near as good as Chick-fil-A, and so I caused a big stink about it. But I know that, that I'm not the only one who's like experienced that type of thing where we just get upset over trivial things, over things that are not that big of a deal. And there are times in our life where even in a church, people are going to offend you. Believe it or not, Christians are not perfect people. We're not. We sin, we make mistakes, and we offend people. 
And there's going to be times in our life where we do that, where we offend somebody, either by what we wear, how we do our hair, whether we have tattoos or not, what you eat, what you drink, all those sorts of things. You're going to have times in your life where you are offensive to somebody or you might be the one that is offended. And as we look at this passage today and some other passages throughout the Bible, uh, my hope is, is that we would understand the importance of pursuing and maintaining unity, of, letting, of really just not sweating the small stuff, the things that are not sin. We, we just don't sweat the things that are not sin. The things that are opinion, we look over. Because my preferences, my opinions are going to be different than your preferences and your opinions. Your idea of how music should be is going to be different than my idea of how music should be and all sorts of things. How we should dress and how we wear our hair and all sorts of things. We all have differences of preferences and opinions and all those things. And at the end of the day, those things really don't matter. They don't. The thing that matters is how God has united us in Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today is this unity that we have. And there's times when we just don't place this high value on unity. Uh, we kind of take the unity that we have for granted and we just feel like it's always going to be there. But if we do not work hard to maintain that unity, it can easily fall away. And so I, my, my hope for today is that we would recognize our common dependence on God for everything in our life. And that common dependence on God is really what unites us together in Christ. The fact that we are dependent on Christ, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what unites us together. Because as we have read, the psalmist taught that the unity of God's people is a blessing from him. It is a blessing, a good gift, a great thing to be united together. And all that unity is, is simply that being of one accord, being of the same mind, counting the same things as important, being one in Christ, one people together in Christ. Kind of like we read in Ephesians a while ago, there's one hope. One Christ, one baptism, one spirit, one faith, and all that is in Christ. This is a blessing to be united with God's people, and unity amongst God's people is a blessing. But in what ways are we united? And that really is what is at the heart of this passage, is it tells us the ways that we are united. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see that, that we're really united together by our common dependence on God. And those two areas of our life that make up everything about our life that we're dependent on God for, and that is the spiritual and the physical. Uh, a, a lot of times in our society, in our Western culture, we sometimes uh, downplay the reality of, of spiritual things. Uh, we want to try to, to rationalize everything that happens. When, whenever anything bad happens, what do people in our society automatically say? They usually say it has something to do with mental illness or something like that. Uh, but there's, there is an issue that goes even deeper than that. And that issue is sin. And that's at the heart of our problem as, as a race, as a people, as the human race, is that we have this sin problem. And one of the things we're united in is this common dependence on God for everything that we need spiritually. So let's uh, dive in here. We already talked about verse 1, how, how it's good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. And this here would have been talking about the people of Israel 
uh, the people of, of God that were worshiping God and how just good it is when they can dwell together in unity, worship together at the temple in unity with one another. And then he goes on into verse two and verse three, giving these pictures of what that unity looks like. And in those pictures of unity, those illustrations that, that David gives us in this passage, we actually are going to see the two areas of our life that we are dependent on God for. And, and one of those areas is the spiritual part of our life. We are dependent on God for the spiritual parts of our life. Notice there what he says. He says, it is like the precious oil. That it is like, it's talking about this unity that we have. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. And so at first look, we're like, okay, well, why are they pouring oil on the dude's head? And who in the world is Aaron? Well, Aaron was a high priest. Uh, he was the one that was kind of like, like they, there's no good way to kind of really describe what that would look like nowadays, but he was kind of like the head pastor of the temple, if you want to put it like that. He was like the main guy in charge of the worship of the people of Israel. And so all of the priests, they would be anointed, but only the high priest would be anointed on his head. And what the psalmist is saying here is that the unity that God's people experience is like that oil that is dumped all over the head of Aaron that runs down into his beard and then onto his clothes. Uh, some would say it stops at his collar. Some talk about the very bottom of his, of his robe. Uh, but the idea is still the same. It's a lot of oil that is running down. And here's the thing about oil in that day and what it was used for. One, it was used for anointing. It, it was to signify that God has chosen you for this task. But it was also used as, as, a, as a perfume or a cologne. And so it would be a sweet-smelling, good-smelling aroma and, and fragrance. And so the picture here is that this unity that we have is, is pictured as this oil that's running down the beard and the clothes of Aaron the high priest. And Aaron the high priest, what he would do then after he was anointed and set apart by God through the anointing, is that he would be the one that would oversee all the sacrifices and the worship in the temple by which the people of God were forgiven of their sins. And so the people of God of old, they would bring their sacrifices and their stuff to Aaron and the other priest, and the high priest Aaron would look and watch over the sacrifices that were made. And, and those people by faith, sacrificing those animals by faith, trusting that God was going to send his Messiah to, to pay for the sins once and for all. Ultimately, as they did that, they, they exhibited that faith in God and God was forgiving them of their sins. And the person who oversaw all of that was Aaron, the high priest. And so there's a specific reason, I believe, why Aaron is the one mentioned here. And that's because Aaron was the go-between between the people and, and God. That he was kind of like the mediator at that time between the people and God. He was the one who could go and he could make the sacrifices to pay for the sins of the people in the camp. But nowadays, who do we look to? Do we look to a high priest? Can I, as a pastor of this church, pay for your sins? Can I offer sacrifice for your sin and my sin? No. 
I hope you don't think so because you're going to be a big surprise one day if that's the case. I can't do it. And neither can you. But who do we look to? We look to our high priest, Jesus Christ, who is the one and only mediator between God and man, who himself gave his own life for us. In 1 John 2, 2, the Bible says, he is the propitiation for our sins. Uh, That's just a big word that just means he's the one who paid for our sins. He's the one who died for our sins. He is the one who, who forgave our sins through his blood. He is the sacrifice for our sins. And so he took our sins on himself on the cross, laid his own life down for us, sacrificed himself, took his own life up again, and now lives forevermore. And as we look to him, as we trust him, we receive that forgiveness from God. And that's something that should drive us to praise him because he has provided spiritually for us. Just as God provided the high priest in the Old Testament to to be the go-between between the people and himself, just as he provided the, the high priest in the Old Testament to offer the sacrifices, God himself sent his own son to be our high priest, to be our sacrifice for us that we can look to him and be saved. And there is no other way. There is no other way and no other name by which man can be saved than through Jesus Christ. We are utterly dependent on him. There's nothing that you can do or I can do to pay for our own sin. Sometimes we feel like if I, if I just stop messing around, if I just give a little bit more, if I attend church more, if I read the Bible more, if I stop this and start doing this, that I can somehow pay for my own sin. But that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says that our sin is a result of, be, of the fact that we by nature have sin, that we by nature are broken in our sin. The Bible talks about us being dead in our sins in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 1. And the good news is that God himself has made us alive through Christ. He has provided for us, and that should drive us to praise him. Why in the world do we gather together and sing? Why do we take time out on a Sunday to come together and sing and hear from God's word? Because we realize what God has done for us. We realize how much he has done to save us. But not only us, it's not just like he's the propitiation for the sins of those that attend Freestone Baptist Church only. It says in 1 John 2, 2, not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. And that's why we want to help people know and follow Jesus. Because we realize that just like we are dependent on God for everything we need spiritually, for forgiveness, for life, that that everyone around us is in the same boat that we're in. Everyone around us is a sinner like we are. And the, the good news for us is that if you have trusted Christ, you are a sinner that is saved by grace. And that is something that unites us together. We were all lost and dead without hope spiritually. But then Christ came, he showed up in a mighty way. And he saved us by his grace through our faith in him. And that unites us together no matter what our background is. The gospel of Jesus Christ unites us together. Our dependence on the Lord for our spiritual needs unites us together. But we also see that our physical needs uh, unite us together. That our dependence on God for everything we need physically unites us together. Uh, We see this pictured here in verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls to the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. And so 
uh, Israel, you kind of know where that's located. And, and Israel today is, is much smaller than it would have been back then. Uh, back then, it was a much larger territory. And a lot of it was real dry and real arid. But there was this one specific mountain that was known for its dew. And it was a really tall, snow-capped mountain in the middle of a desert. And it is called Mount Hermon. And that's the one that's, that's listed here. And it was known for its heavy dew. And so the heavy dew every morning would fall. And that is what would cause all the land to grow and provide for, bring forth vegetation and all those things so that the people could uh, receive their, their sustaining food and meals and all those things. And so this dew would fall. And, and the picture we're given here is like this dew would fall and it was so heavy that it would cover all of Israel. All of Israel. And so there's a couple of pictures here that, that, we, can, that we can think of when we look at this. Uh, one of those is that uh, just the fact that God has a, has a rich blessing that he gives to us when we are united together. That unity is just this rich, lush blessing that he gives to us. But also that, that, that he provides for us physically. That not only does he provide for us spiritually, but he also provides for us in our, in our physical needs. Um, as we look at this, I think we need to remember that there is a reason that we get up every morning. We didn't wake ourselves up. Sure, we may have set an alarm, right? But we didn't actually wake ourselves up. Uh, the fact that I'm breathing right now and talking right now, can I control the breath in my lungs? Can I control that? Can I control my heart and when it keeps on beating and stops beating? Can I control the electrical impulses in my brain that keep everything running? Can you do that? No. Who does that? God. We are dependent upon God for every breath we take, every beat of our heart, everything we do. We are dependent on God for it. And so when you go and get up and go to work in the morning, when you do all those things that you do, it is God who is the one that is giving you the ability to do all of those things. He is the one that causes your crops to grow, your cattle to grow. He is the one who gives you the strength and the health and the stamina to work each and every day. He is the one that has enabled you to save up during your life so that in, if you're retired at the moment, you have money to live on. All those things are things that God has given you. You see, God provides for his people. His people have what they need. We may not always have everything we want, but we have everything we need. And, and the crazy thing about this is that God in his good grace has allowed us to be born in, in a place and a time in which we not only have our needs, but we still get some of our wants. How amazing is that? How good is that? Because God, God could have just said, no, that's, you don't need all that. But still, he allows us to, to have even some of the wants that we have. God has been so good to us. And that's something we can thank God for because he has been so good to us to provide for us physically in the things that we need. And sometimes in a context like ours, uh, when we have abundance, we tend to start idolizing our, our possessions and, and our materials. And I want to call your attention to Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And it doesn't stop there, but we're just going to stop there for just a moment. It's very easy for us to get caught up on money and possessions and all those things and just wanting more and more and more and more and more. 
Uh, but we are called as Christians to be content with what we have. And the reason for that is because of what God tells us in Hebrews 13, 5, there at the end, He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God will provide. He will provide for you. You will have your basic needs met. And and the thing about that is we all are dependent on God ultimately for all of our physical needs. And as we go through our life and we live our life and we work or we retire, we do whatever we do, we can remember that we're able to do all those things because God has given that to us. He's given us that ability. He has provided for us physically. Is that something you praise God for? I hope so. Try to acknowledge Him every time that something good happens in your life. Just thank Him as as it is a gift of His good grace, a gift of His good pleasure. It is definitely something we can praise God for, that He provides for us physically. He provides for us physically. He provides for us spiritually. And we see that all this is meant to unify us together. Verse 3, there toward the end, for there... And that there is referring, I believe, to the place where the people, God's people dwell in unity. For there God has commanded the blessing. And what is that blessing? Life forevermore. You see, as we looked at this passage, uh, we see that there is this cause of unity. And it's not just that we have it all figured out and we're going to be unified together automatically because we're still sinners. We're going to have strife at times. We need to turn from that and and, and avoid that as much as possible. But I wanted you to notice here in this passage, just the imagery of everything flowing downward. In verse 2, where does the oil start on Aaron's head, right? It starts here and where does it go? It flows down to his beard and then to his collar and his robes. Where does the dew start in in verse 3? It starts on this mountain and flows where? To the rest of Israel. Where does the source of our unity start? God. It starts with Jesus Christ. And it flows down from Him to all of us. He is the one who commands the unity. He is the one who provides for the unity. And that unity that we have will be one day shared together in all eternity with people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation that have trusted in Jesus Christ as the one who has paid for their sins. So the cause of unity is nothing that we've done. It's everything that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, it is God who has united us together. No matter if we're a man or a woman, if we're red, yellow, black, white, if we uh, are, are rich or are poor, what unites us together is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has provided for us. And so our unity is tied to this faithful dependence that we have on God for everything we need spiritually and also everything that we need physically. God is the one who unites us. And as we gather together in our common dependence on God, that can drive us to more and more worship. Because We have people that are coming from every background and every age group and all sorts of things that are coming and gathering together on the Lord's Day to worship the Lord together. Why? Because we are united together in Christ. He's provided for us physically. He's provided for us spiritually. And that is what unites us. 
And so I think back to Ephesians in chapter four that we looked at a little earlier. And it says there that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians four, verse three, that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let us remember that God has made peace with us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And that blood of Jesus is what enables us to have peace with each other also. How blessed and good it is when God's people dwell in unity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have united us together in Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us not to... um, take unity for granted that you would not that you would help us not to take our unity uh, with you for granted that we are united to you through the blood of Christ and help us to um, not not judge people on the basis of just matters of preferences and opinions let us lay those things aside and cling to the one true rule of life your word your gospel help us look to that knowing that that is what unites us together Father, help us now to remember our dependence on you for all of our physical needs, all of our spiritual needs, and let us always praise your name for those things. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.